0: Welcome back to a joyful Rule the Roost podcast. This is a this is a negativity-free zone. Um, we were we were called the most negative podcast out there after the Doctor Tottenham meme uh, that went out on the on the uh, on the Twitter. As were the, we? As the kids said, uh, yeah.
1: Have they not listened to the ones? I've not listened to the ones in years, but they were negative when we were good. So what the fuck are we?
0: I I don't think we're particularly negative.
1: Well I think we've always been fairly realistic, which is our niche.
0: yeah, I mean I did uh when I was pissed I did reply to one of them as well with a quote tweet from somebody else. I mean this is all pathetic. I don't know why I'm opening this with a discussion about engaging with uh, with the lower order <laughs> um, you can you can come and listen to me talk about my opinions, but if you give me your opinions right. I don't want to hear him. They're I don't, not welcome. No, I don't have to hear him, right? Because that's it. That's how it works, right? Um but there are lots of opinions to be had, and it's been a while since we've had a catch up, mate. So if we scale it back to Liverpool.
1: Oh, do we have to?
0: Yeah, we do, mate. Because, oh, there's a there's a like I say, there's a boil that needs to be lanced. And uh I found it... Look, I'll, I'll say from the start, I I do think, like, we do joke about Dr Tottenham, all this type of thing. I think if we are to flip the narrative, yes, I get it, Liverpool hadn't won in about five games, four of which they hadn't even scored in, then they come to our gaff and score three goals and beat us, obviously, Um And we do tend to shrink in their presence, which is kind of what we were touching on before. That's why I was kind of using the cup final analogy, is that you know they're such a hurdle for us. But if we are to flip the narrative slightly, Liverpool were improving. Yeah, I know they'd just lost to Burnley and they'd lost to United, but they looked a lot better away at Old Trafford. So you could see that they were clearly building their own momentum, coming out of their own funk, if you like, whilst we were pretty much entering, you know, the 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 nadir of our own. So it, I don't think it's a full on kind of reflection on Tottenham that Liverpool beat us. They are still, as Mourinho pointed out in our previous game at Anfield. Yes, a lot's been made of Van Dijk and other people missing but when you go through their squad they're still a team full of world-class players it's still Liverpool it's still the reigning champions so this doomsday scenario that we might lose to them although it's shit and I know like I was I was gutted again stupidly but I was absolutely gutted again after losing to them because I just I I need I need for us to beat them I like we have to I'm so sick, I'm so sick to death of seeing how smug they are in victory against us. And you can tell they particularly enjoy beating us. Maybe that. Maybe I'm building that up in my own head, but I, I really get the feeling that Klopp, just, just what we represent, I don't think it's really anything personal. I just think we're very representative of their lowest ebb. And he just really revels in, in beating us, just demonstrating how far they've come. Um, but I just, I, I don't know, I, I found it, I just found it, again, just quite depressing to see us not turn up against them. I mean, how did you feel about it?
1: I think that that game was almost like a an encapsulation of, of Spurs as a whole under Mourinho because we weren't far off. But we still, the result wasn't there at the end of the day. It was sort of, we were the better team until they scored at half-time. I know that's easy said and sort of probably what the likes of Burnley or similar would say, like, that's their hat on the back for the game as they hung in there for 45 minutes. But we should have been ahead. I think the VAR decision was travesty, and that's a side point. I think VAR as a whole is a joke. Um and I think even even the goal that Liverpool had chalked out for handball was questionable because I think they actually got a handball decision for them as part of that. And you know half the reason why the blow handled the ball was because Eric Dyer was dirty wine on the back of him. So it, it sort of the the entire institution of our I think is is an abomination, and the sooner it's out of the game, the better. But I don't think it, it is ever going to be. I think it's, oh, it's going be. nowhere gonna have to learn to live with if they manage to rewrite the laws or do something of some sense to to improve it then then that might be some sort of consolation but you know that's you know there is a, a timeline in which we go one nil up and and you know half times rosy, and we don't concede that goal somebody you know steps in and, and clears it hugo you know actually is proactive and doesn't leave it and there's a bit more communication there um i actually think that we're a that that mistake was half his and half Eric Dyer's. Um there's some Davinton Sanchez in there as well for, for not doing any you know, not coming across. But nobody came out of that particularly well. Uh but it's not insurmountable. And then we concede straight after half time. Um because Liverpool do have a bit of belief. They've got one up and that's the one thing we, we couldn't have given. Them. Like, I think we the game would have been the opposite way around had we scored first and it remained that way. I don't think they would have come back from one 0 down. I think both teams were fragile and mentally fragile and sort of, you know, almost waiting to lose. And the first one that was given the opportunity to win and, and shown that they could win would have done. And, and we had that snatched away from us and as is our want, we we just ha- didn't recover mentally. And, you know, while we were sulking, we got done twice. And that,
0: That's it though. It's, it's just this pattern of behaviour because I agree with you entirely. Had that Son goal stood and... Look, I'm just going to say, I'll, I'll nail my colours to the mast. I think it should have done. I think the, the VAR decision was stupid. I, I think it's a I think it's a, a pathetic interpretation of the law from what I understand it to be.
1: Look, offside is there to prevent people having an unnecessary advantage in attacks. He was playing a backwards pass with his back to goal and the only thing that was offside was an inch of his ankle or heel at most. That is not... Uh, an advantage in attack. The defender, if anything, is moving back on him. So if he was going to turn and try and run, he would have been closed down. And that, that essentially goes against the spirit of the law. And I think VAR essentially goes against the spirit of what football is. This isn't American football. It isn't basketball. It isn't even cricket or, or, you know, similar. It's football. is isn't a black and white sport. There's a reason why we call them laws and not rules and things. And because there's interpretation to these and there is grey and that's what that's what makes our sport beautiful and unique and different the long passages of interrupted play the you know the you know the discussions you can have about was that a yellow card was it a red you know you know the orange cards and stuff it, it all feeds into what makes football a global phenomenon and VAR essentially flies in the face of that and we're losing goals we're losing moments and and you know the reason they brought it in and the reason they apparently wanted us to to have it was to bring consistency and fairness and and remove this you know grumbles that fans would have over human error and things and, and all that's done is created a new avenue to which human error can occur and then shine a big fucking magnifying glass on it precisely you know, that that's
0: that's the big issue right
1: yeah it's it's it is stupid to the extreme and and it is unfortunate that it is Spoiling many people's enjoyment of the game now because I think it would have probably been a better match had we gone ahead.
0: Because um, uh, you know, an example of technology being implemented very well in football. Goal line, goal technology. line precisely. Well, that's
1: that's a black and white moment. Exactly. There's, uh, to my mind, there's only been once that's fucked up, and that was that Sheffield United one last season. Was it Villa that or Sheffield United? Yeah, yeah. Villa
0: Where versus some, Sheffield United.
1: Yeah, the Hawkeye guy was still furloughed or something and forgot <laughs> to turn it on. Um and that's a joke and it shouldn't happen, but the fact that it's once, and what? how long we have going on technology? It must be going on like 10 years. Probably
0: just short of, but yeah. Yeah, around,
1: around that, that ballpark, yeah. and it's been fine. Nobody's said, oh, we don't care about it. We don't want it. They've gone, look, here's a problem. You've had your Pedro Mendes, your Frank Lampard, and the rest. We need to find out, here's a black and white thing. The whole of the ball being over the whole of the line is when a goal is scored, the most important part of the game. Let's actually fucking sort that out. There's a couple of like, Slightly piss takey ones. I think Yambatongan once scored one, which was literally a hairline over the thing, and you kind of going, all right, then are we are we entirely sure." But if it's that far over, you give benefit of the doubt and, and what have you. So we've come to a logical, common sense conclusion to that, and and VAR just isn't. It's a it's a wanky toy that sort of you know is a broadcasting tool more than it is a a sporting one, and it's it is a farce and uh, yeah, or, but that's or about- a farce
0: you could <laughs> say, mate, eh? Hey? That's why the that's why they pay you the big bucks. Uh, that is that is the banter boys. Yeah. Um, anyway,
1: but but, but the, what I was gonna say sorry is the fact that the team don't brush that off and use that as motivation and kind of allow that to be a reason and an excuse to lose that game because they will have done like internally the only the only rationale I can see for them bottling that game in the way they did bottle it is. Because they were the better team for forty-five minutes, is because they sort of they got in their own heads and kind of went, "Oh, we've we've not been given our goal now." And, exactly. And, and flopped. And then Harry Kane goes off at half time, and there's a, a second reason for them to go. oh, the, the best player on the park, the one that leads by example, he's he's gone now. So, so how are we going to do it? We've had our goal nicked, and they've gone two up. And you know, in effect, the as good as captain has gone off. Uh, it's it, and and to be honest, that that we'll get onto a Mourinho chat, I'm sure. But one of the one of the selling points of bringing in Mourinho post Pochettino and bringing in Mourinho at all is he fosters this winning mentality, this this uh, this collective idea that that winning is important at all costs. We all saw the intelligent cunts bits and all that sort of stuff. That is what he sells himself on, and we have seen little to no evidence of Tottenham actually buying into that we've we've seen periods of his play and we've had you know good one-off results under him and good runs under him as well but that terms of a mentality change and an ideal change and an ideology change is it's just not happening and it's, it doesn't appear to show any signs of ever happening
0: well this is the interesting thing because this you know pretty much stems seamlessly onto the Brighton game where we were just completely toothless without Kane, and I've I've kind of I've scoffed in the past at this idea of Tottenham being over reliant on Kane and Son. Just just in this past season, of I guess maybe almost reductively on my part, taking it to that level of like, well, you know, why 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 is it always this appropriated at Tottenham that? we're over-reliant on our best player. Surely every fucking team in the world is re- over-reliant on their best player to a degree. But then when you see the kind of the starkness of how that is, even even in a statistical sense, I believe it isn't it something like only Sunderland have been more reliant on two players in Quinn and Phillips um, than Tottenham have uh, in Son and Kane now yeah. in Premier League history. And... It, <sighs> I guess probably in my head what I'm starting to see now is that it's not so much that we have an effective functional system that brings the best out of two great attackers in Son and Kane, thus saying that they are we're over-reliant on them in that kind of scenario would be reductive. What it seems to be is that we have a dysfunctional system that's hanging together that is over reliant on those two players to just be fucking amazing together. Because now, as we're seeing, without Kane, I mean, that, that, the second half, for a start, what, why the substitutions that Mourinho made, Christ only knows.
1: Yeah, but, that was an absolute fucking joke. I think I tweeted at the time. If Harry Kane's going off and your next substitute isn't Vinicius or Bale, what's the point of having either one of the two of them?
0: Yeah bang on. And when you see, you know, against Brighton, just how toothless we looked, just absolutely devoid of ideas, devoid of anything, any kind of creative spark going forwards. It's really, really worrying. It is I think really we lose worrying. that
1: Brighton game, even if Kane's not injured, to be honest. I, I, I think, don't know. I, because, um, because we've seen it happen before. the They don't recover mentally from these results for at least two, two, three games, and it's you know this Chelsea game I'm I'm genuinely worried about. I think this is going to be you know Tuchel's big coming out party tomorrow. I think I think we're going to have our pants pulled down, hand on heart. That is my fear. We'll get done on our own patch again, Um, and it'll probably be all the lads who haven't scored, Werner, Ziyech, all them will will suddenly be fucking balling Dortham and what have you. And that just might be being negative and fatalistic, but kinda of comes with the territory when you've supported this club for enough thirty years and um well I, some,
0: I know what you mean and I think before we sort of go on to Chelsea too much, Dan Kilpatrick raised uh this week that eight of the starting eleven in this Brighton game are eight of the starting eleven well that played in the Brighton game under Pochettino as well, yeah. where we lost three nil. And if we are talking about mentality issues and all this type of thing, it stands to reason that we're gonna see these repeated patterns of behaviour. And we did, we ha- we've had Mourinho, uh, Pochettino before, talking about this painful rebuild. Um, and we're really, in truth, we're still yet to see it. We still seem to be a club that is clinging on
1: to. A lot of our dead would. I mean, I, the thing is, right? That wasn't the bet we made, though, was it? We, When we got rid of Pochettino, we made the bet on the squad rather than the manager. So he could have, Levy could have backed Pochettino and given him the painful rebuild, and we probably wouldn't have, uh, you know, a large proportion of those players anymore. He would have stripped the club back and rebuilt us and, and bought in and, and done what he wanted to. And, you know, the way the, the team looks now would, would be completely different. But the bet he made was that that squad was capable of more and that a different manager could get more out of it than Pochettino couldn't. And, you know, half the reason was Mourinho tried to buy a shitload of them when he was at Man United. And he came in and said, I don't need any more players. This You know, this club's fantastic. This team's fantastic. And sort of his whole idea was, you know, we had a bit more here. We had strength and depth and what have you and, and we'll be away. And that seems to have been the wrong bet. It, 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 you know, we always wanted Pochettino to stay. And I think everyone's preference was that, Pochettino stays and, and he gets to do what he wants to do.
0: But Well, I'd rather he was given the money two seasons ago before it all oh, went to it, shit. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I think we said at the time that the reason why it went to shit in the way it went to shit, and it wasn't a slow going to shit, we were shit for well over a year. It's, it's
0: intense stagnation.
1: Um, was the fact that we just, it caught up with us. We Again, we made a bet on the squad we had and sort of we had we made the bet on the stadium, and you know but we, we were overachieving and we yeah. sort of we were we rel- we came reliant on miracles which you know unless you're fucking one of the twelve disciples isn't something you should be doing um but this this i mean this is exactly what I was leading up to saying is that we're
0: getting to a point now where I can't help but feel and i'm i'm not i'm I'm genuinely I'm not approaching this from this visceral mouth breathing levy out kind of way I just I'm I just I cannot help but escape this feeling that all channels seem to point to this you know all roads lead to Rome if you like that whether it's Mourinho in charge or whether we bring in a project manager two years down the line we're going to find ourselves in that same kind of glass ceilinged place that we were with Pochettino in so much as I I just I feel that Enoch I'm not going to take anything away from them whether you like what they've done, the way they've done it, you like the new stadium or don't. I think if we just look at it in terms of Enoch as an investment company have taken a mid-table and a perennial in the Premier League era mid-table also ran and turned them into really, okay, yeah, we don't have the Cups and everything, but they have really in terms of stature, in terms of brand, image, everything, they've turned them into one of Europe's elite clubs. They have done. When they talk about that European Super League, we're always involved in it, that conversation. It, exactly. And you have to give you have to give Enoch kudos to this. However, now at this level, at this elite level, which is I think we can see and I think we can say quite clearly, look at Arsenal, for example. It's fucking unforgiving at this type of level. And they're learning on the job. And I just don't I don't think the will and the appetite is there to operate in a fashion that they perhaps need to. It's ugly. and We've we've raged against it before, against modern football, against financial doping. But the reality is that's what we exist in now. That's the microcosm that Tottenham exist in. That's what they're judged against. We are benchmarked against teams like Manchester City, whether we like it or not we're benchmarked against man city against liverpool against united we're in that conversation even though if we think it's fair or not if we think we've overachieved it doesn't matter because they've they've put their kind of flag in the ground that tottenham are an elite club tottenham should be a champions league club tottenham should be a title contender and i'm sorry if that if that's what they want now this this way of operating this system of let's cling on to lamella let's and i'm I'm not let, let's not break this down into i'm attacking these players individually i know no, a no, lot it's... of these players have their pros and cons but really if we're talking about the deadwood in the squad when we're looking at players like you know lamella sissoko dyer really love him as i do players who are just simply not good enough for this level why are we desperately clinging on to them Trying to hope that something better is going to come from them. There just has to be that clear, and I agree with you. I agree with you entirely. I don't think I'm not saying this in in any contrary fashion to to what you're saying. In that, yes, we did make the bet, and I'm pretty sure Mourinho probably from the outside, as we said at the time, saw Tottenham and thought that's a Champions League club. They they've just been in a Champions League final. Maurizio's just lost his way a bit. He's lost the dressing room, but I can come in. Add one or two players, rejuvenate them, and go. But I think, as we said, sort of just before lockdown happened and foot, there was the break in football, you got the sense that Mourinho was suddenly like, "Oh, actually, these lot are fucked." You know, that it's not just it's not just this sense that Prochettino's at fault here and he's lost away. It's like, no, actually. The Tongan's much further down the line than I thought he was. Rose is much further down the line than I thought he was. Alder okay, probably not. But but you get what I'm saying that that the the this the dying embers as we uh, or at least I've often referred to it as of this squad. Mm-hmm. There's still something there that could be stoked. Maybe it's just not. And now, without a hot like, and I mean like a hard wholesale change. As mm-hmm. Ars- uh, uh, you know, as Arsenal are doing, they've they finally just admitted defeat on Özil. They finally admitted defeat on Mustafi. We just we've got to start doing that. We've got to start yeah. just clearing these players out and <clears throat> shifting it because we we cannot keep banging our heads against a wall and expecting different results. You know. I think we've
1: uh, let me split this down into sort of two responses. Um, first on the clinging on because I think the second one's probably gonna warrant more of a conversation than this is we've discussed our our club's sort of unique um, ability to just be overly sentimental and I think that does feed into it and I think that Levy is secretly quite a he's quite a proud man and he not not secretly I think that's quite public actually and you know we can see through that but he sort of I think he wants to almost prove his own decisions right long-term. And, and even if that's cutting off his nose to spite his face, he'll do it. Um, so if it's a player like Lamella where everyone said, oh, he's shit and you can't go and stuff, he'll go, look, this is a player that's worth this much to me. This is how much we've played for him. Everyone likes him around the club. He seems like a good lad. Like, I'll happily keep him here and, and have him contribute because nobody has come in yet with a monetary value for him that matches what... I value him as as, a, as an asset to the club. Mm. And I think that's the case across the board, and this is this is the larger point: is I think that money side of it is still more important, and, and still something that I don't think we quite uh, fully grasp and understand. Just as layman and being outside of the club, and my guess would be that you know the bet we made on the stadium was intrinsically tied to our increased transfer activity. And our ability to... And like you say, we've we've gone from not just also around and making up numbers, but I remember as more as sort of just outside the relegation places growing up rather than, you know, out, just outside the title spaces. So the fact that our crisis in 2021 is the fact that we might not get into the Champions League is, you know... A, can joke compared to where we were you know 10 15 years ago where we might not be in the premier league um and for, you know not even too much further back than that just before Enoch came in, might not be in business anymore as a fucking entity so and i don't want to be you know almost in the opposite way that liverpool and man united fans that sort of glorify their own I, amazing I, history i don't want to sort of go you know, I can't in ten years' time still further down the line be going, like, Oh, do you remember nineteen ninety five? like we have to let that go at some point as well. But it's it still is, in, It a,
0: is relative though, in terms of like Champions League is probably just as crucial to us now existing and operating because of the financial burden we've put on ourselves from things like the yeah. stadium and players and but, big contracts and you know, it it's it's all relevant. I I get mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying, but it doesn't just come from the point of being like a spoilt child. Wow, we're not in the Champions League
1: anymore, you know? But what I was going to say is probably half the reason why we're making the safe bet of carrying on with the squad and you know not being able to pump 100, 150 million in is... And this is is a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card, but it is probably the truth as well is we've not had the pop concerts there that we wanted to have. We've not had the NFL there. We've not made the revenue there. And and that's going to have taken us out of the knees far more than I think we actually... Appreciate, and I think as a business and affording to being able to afford those and have that cash flow, we just don't have it. So uh, you know, it's taken other clubs, uh, Liverpool and and you know, the like Leicester even to get to a point where they they become self reliant before they can just go out and go, okay, we want this player, let's spunk a bit of cash in them. And Liverpool, even still, will sell to buy, and they will be a bit more intelligent. But they, as Mourinho has pointed out before, a bit further down the line, and we are. We're still in that transformative process from being the shit club to the giant club, and even though we look like a giant club, we're still not being able to to walk the walk because you know there are certain things stopping us. And I think that mentality change is something that Levy wants to do. He wants to be a bit more ruthless. He wants to have more overturn in, in players. He wants to be able to buy more and and be a bit more of a talent factory and, and become all the sort of things that, to be honest, we we hate other clubs for. Is what we have to do to you know, compete against them. Because if you can't beat them, join them. I mean, it's a it's a fucking... One of the biggest cliches in the world. But the reason cliches exist is because they're true. And to compete, we have to sort of become that sort of ruthless area. And, you know, it, ruthless to the point where, like, this might never happen. But imagine if Harry Kane has, like, three more ankle injuries and just isn't worth the money and time that we put into him and, and only plays half a season again... Maybe at that point, like the ruthless club, the Chelsea, the Man United, the the Man Cities, would we'll just go, all right, you yeah, fuck you off, like we'll get someone else, we'll replace you, we'll buy the next big thing, we'll spunk 150 million on Haaland because you know that's our striker sorted for the next ten years, and you know you're not going to cut it anymore, and we just don't do that. We'll and it, sometimes it pays off, but sometimes it doesn't. Like Sissoko was given about three years before he actually became a a player that could contribute and. No, it's fine in, in sort of small subsets, like on, on Dombele for a season, that's fine. That's a £65 million pound investment and we're reaping the rewards for that now. And had we just sacked him off after a season, it would have gone down as a Mourinho, you know, spinning off Salah, binning off De Bruyne, all the rest of them that he sort of, he said no to and then have turned around and been one of the best players in the world. And we, we can't afford to be that either. So we have to strike a balance and there, there's sort of, there are sporting things and non-sporting things that are all sort of colluding to fuck us up, essentially. And uh, we are always going to be our own worst enemy. That is just ingrained in the, the fabric of the club and us as a supportership as well. But there are things that sort of gently nudges upon our path. Like COVID has been like the a worldwide fucking lasagna for us um in terms of stunting our growth and and stopping us being able to to get to where we want to get and it's a shame but I think we will get there in time it's just gonna it's gonna take a bit longer and it's not gonna be a and this will be a conversation I think that that we're gonna have to have sooner rather than later because you know I think we're probably over halfway through Mourinho's time at Spurs now is my biggest fear is I don't I don't know what's next I don't see what's next like when the Sherwood season was there when the redcap end years were there and stuff. We we had sort of ideas of who we wanted to hang our hat on, and there was sort of a a candidate or several candidates that sort of you saw and were like, yes, they fit the club, they can push us forward, they'll be a good fit, they'll want to come here. You know, AVB at the time was a brilliant appointment for us. It didn't work out in the end because Bale went and sort of they fell to shit after that, which is fine, it's understandable. Um, when Pochettino came in, it was brilliant for ages, and and to be able to replicate that, or even you know find somebody who's even fifty percent of that is it's going to be fucking hard because, you know, we're we're not two people that don't pay attention to football. We probably do more than most, but I just don't see an outstanding candidate or an obvious choice for who's to take us forward, and it's it's that's the that's the annoyance and the sort of the the worrisome bit because. That essentially means is that that we not wilderness years, but we're gonna have, we're essentially gonna do what a Chelsea do or what Liverpool did before Klopp or, or what you know City did before Pep and stuff, and just sort of go through two, three managers on eighteen month, two year contracts, and sort of try and pick up the odd trophy and then go on to the next big thing, and then eventually land on who it's gonna be. And yeah, it's just it's. Um, all this sort of just underlines how special and how unique having a relationship and a period like the the Pochettino years were to a club like us and to any club really, and it, to to sort of try and re have that formula and, and repeat that is is going to be a a real trick for us and it, and it might be something that we we never really land on again, but we'll 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 find out, I guess.
0: We, do, uh, we talked about this on WhatsApp the other day. I mean, there is that fear, isn't there, that maybe that's, maybe that's the best of it. That 16-17 season, maybe that's kind of as, as good as it gets. And that's not to say that we're never going to win anything or anything like that, but just all the different pieces at play there, it was just all so perfect. Ready to pop the question?
1: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Isn't it? Yeah, last season at the lane, the team we had all building up Harry at the top, you know, Poch coming into his own. It was, it was a special time. It was, it's quite unique and it was freaky. I was, I was chatting to my lads about this the other week about. Just how many points we accrued in seasons like that, and you know, it'd be more than enough to win the title this season. But you know, we've, we've just several times now had those type of seasons and, and been the second team rather than the best team, and that's uh, that is annoying. But that's a uh, that's the way of the world. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, you do make a good point about the pandemic. I'm not, you know, in my in my enic ranting. I don't think so much ranting, but still, like. <sighs> It it can't be it can't be understated how much of a blow that probably has been to the club. You know, missing I think the Joshua fight and yeah, you know. it's
1: obviously a blow to everyone. Yeah, but I think in terms of clubs that had made a bet on themselves that were, were so linked to having people in that fucking ground, we've we you know we we really have been fucked. I mean, Roman's still selling oil, the sheiks are still committing atrocities and all that sort of stuff. So they're getting the money and they're, they're, they're not, you know, they're not stopped by that. Mike Ashley even still fucking buying shops um, and selling shops. So it's not, it's just, you know, it's a uniquely, you know, troublesome time for us and everyone's going to be in affected in some way. But, you know, the, the idea and the blueprint for us was the stadium propels the club forward and uh, it's currently rudderless.
0: Yeah, I mean you do talk about who might be next after Mourinho because you know, I think he's on what, he's he's got a contract till twenty twenty three on fifteen million pounds a year reported. Um, I mean, I this idea that we're gonna fuck him off after, you know, I've seen some people say, oh, if we get tonked by Chelsea, do you think that's it for him? No, not a a fucking chance. Anyway, I think, regardless of what his contract is and the stipulations behind that. But, you know, I can't see it being until at least... Because, I mean, one thing we have to give Levy, whatever, you know, if you want to criticise him or anything like that, but one thing you have to give him is he's, he's a fiercely intelligent man. And then as much as I... You know, we, again, something else we spoke about on WhatsApp. There's this kind of, there's this narrative painted. Oh, he'd never get rid of Mourinho. He's so in love with him. He would. At the end of the day, if it's going to affect Spurs, I I think Levy is. You know, we we said, didn't we? It's like, yeah, you know, he's been in his long term relationship, and at the moment, he's having his one night stand and subsequent booty calls with the guy he always fancied secretly, but. That doesn't mean that that's going to last forever, and I think no. it, if if he really knows that there's a real danger of Mourinho going full Mourinho, he won't hesitate to get rid of him.
1: No, but I, I actually think um, we've we've already seen the proof that Levy's looking past Mourinho now, and that's a comforting thought. To be quite honest, the fact that he's uh, clinging like, onto you know, Ali because it, not just that, but sort of if he was all bought in, if he was, you know rimming him in the, in the manner that we sort of, you know, people like to assume. He would have sold Ali and bought whoever Mourinho wanted. He would have he would have gone all in. And he, he backed him as much as he could have done in the summer. And that is, you know, giving him a platform to fail. And one of my, you know, a, a, a phrase I often use with my missus is, um, you know, give me enough rope to hang myself with. And that's what Levy's done with Mourinho. Mourinho comes in and he says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We're going to win cups. We're going to do this. And that's the... That's the trade-off you make. That's the trade-off you make for his occasional being a prick. That's the trade-off you make for half the fan base probably going to dislike him. That's a trade-off you make for him being a Chelsea legend. And that's a trade-off you make for sort of he's going to alienate some people because it's guaranteed he will just in the way he operates and always has done. And if he doesn't bring up his side of the bargain, then you fuck him off. Like that's mm. that's how this works and... And we're getting to the point where now Mourinho really has to shit or get off the pot because if he do not win all, then it's just miserable. If you have miserable with winning, then people can just about buy it. And I think we've talked about this before, but he was the perfect appointment post-Pochettino because of all that. And and it was almost, I know people uh, uh, you know, hate the, the, the concept of him, but we couldn't, uh, even as a, a sporting institution and uh, a fan base as a whole, I don't think we could have gone from that to a, an interim manager or, you know, if the club sacked Pochettino and then brought in, like, uh, one of the fucking youth team managers for three weeks, we'd have gone, look, you've, you've got rid of Pochettino, you don't have a fucking plan. Like, what are you on about? Um, and similarly, had we sacked him and then brought in some young project managers, call it call it Eddie Howe for now. It, it wouldn't have been Eddie Howe, but just put him there as a sort of a, an example. People are gone, why the fuck are we rebuilding now when... The bloke you should have backed and rebuilt with is right fucking there. Exactly. But by bringing in Pochettino, you kind of – bringing in Mourinho, sorry, you kind of go, look, this is the only person we can reasonably sell as an upgrade. He is a win-now person. We are backing the team. The thing that you all are crying out for is silverware. This is the bloke. If he can't bring a silverware, then and Pochettino couldn't, then we're essentially fucked in that department, and we may well be because I think City are going to absolutely pummel the life out of us in that Carabao Cup final.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, I don't even want to think about it.
1: Um, so it's sort of that was the only sort of play in a PR sense and a sporting sense because the the players would have been like, "Oh, we love that bloke. Like he's our mate as well as our sort of a." Uh, our manager, you know, Ali's called him like a father figure to him before. And, and we know from sort of the fact that he's got deli on the back of his shirt, how significant that will be to him. Um, so it's it's just one of those things where we, we had to do that move. That was the right move at that time, no matter how much we might have disliked it in theory, it was the only play to make other than keeping Pochettino. Um,
0: I mean, we did say at the time that Carlo, he could have been, you know, he was still floating about as well was sort of touted. Yeah, but and... he's still
1: not as a guaranteed uh, a, a sure thing as, as Mourinho is, especially with sort of the the stature side of it. And you've got to remember that the other player with Mourinho is he puts you in the headlines and he, he gives you a profile and, and people that haven't heard of Tottenham before will have heard of Tottenham because weirdly, like somebody who will just have a, a Pogba account or a Ronaldo account or, you know, a LeBron James account will just go and support that person wherever the fuck they are. They're called. There's fucking millions they're, of they're Mourinho stunts. Yeah,
0: they're called nonces, mate. That's the. Yeah, art. yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: well, they are children, so I don't know if they're technically. No, nah, it does. It's, it still applies. Yeah, okay. Right. Um, <laughs> it's the rules. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, he, he brings that sort of fanfare yeah. around with him and, and sort of for a team that's wanting to look like one of the big dogs bringing in the biggest dog, the fucking bloke who can't go five minutes without making a documentary about himself. Well,
0: this, I was going to touch on this. Do you reckon it's a bit tinfoil, but do you think one of the considerations was all or nothing?
1: Oh, of course it was. Of course it was. Like, yeah. it's not a, a huge it's a consideration. Brand,
0: but it was still a global branding exercise, mm-hmm. wasn't it?
1: Yeah, if you can tell football, right, football... Like a casual football fan, telling them on Amazon there's going to be a what 10-part documentary about Pochettino or something, Sort of most like football Twitter would have watched it. Casual fans would have gone, Here's, here's ten episodes of Mourinho Call and everyone cunts and making noises. Everyone's gonna fucking wanna watch that.
0: Yeah. It's I don't know, it's very strange, isn't it? And you can I in the sort of piecemeal bits of information that Pochettino's given us since his uh his sacking, you can tell he was very, very unhappy with what happened with All or Nothing.
1: Oh yeah. I think it was just sort of, I think it comes across as if he was sold this documentary sort of, a look, here is something we're going to have that's going to highlight your relationship with the players, how well you're doing, where this club is now, and sort of be an underlining you know, historical document for Pochettino's Tottenham. And then he was in it for five minutes, and I think he was personally pissed off because, Sounds as if he had his little mate Jesus running around and implementing everything and making yeah. sure Amazon couldn't have been more accommodated for and, you know, worked around training and, and, you know, the cameras were in the right place and they seemed like they were really hands on with it. And then, you know, five minutes into filming, they get fucked off. And Paul Bastard's probably sat down waiting for three episodes about himself and, and had five minutes. And then Mourinho turns up. He's kind of like, oh, what the fuck's this? Like, I imagine it's kind of like spending six months on a film shoot and then realizing you've been cut it's not going to be a nice feeling and especially given how emotionally invested he was in the club and in the fan base and everything to sort of be disrespectful in that manner must have been a real kick in the balls and and that's sort of um, that's sort of an annoying part of it but that's you know we talk about leaving Eden to be ruthless that's, that's one of the most ruthless things that he could have done and I don't think that you know, Levy's by any means sat in the editing room for the entire thing, but I think he's he's obviously got some sort of say and some sort of say over final cut, and he will have kind of said to him, look, uh, I'd rather you didn't focus too heavily on the sacking and that side of things. You just kind of go the better narrative we prepare we prefer as a club is Mourinho coming in and new beginnings, and that's definitely a conversation that happened with producers behind uh, behind the scenes. Looking ahead
0: to Chelsea, just you know, just in brief, I mean. Honestly speaking, I just, I don't even want to, I maybe this is why we're called the most negative podcast going, but I don't, it's a game at a point in time when I honestly, I just don't even want the game to happen. Like I would, if, if offered now, honestly, and it was like, you can just void this game and no. take the L. And, yeah, whatever, too many COVID contractions or something. I don't really want to wish that on anyone at all, but you, you know what I mean? Like, just something that...
1: As long as it was Chelsea,
0: Something that would, no, something on our part that would mean we just forfeit the game, just take the L and that's it, get away with it. I'd just do that because i just I. I'm just not in a place at the moment to be asked for this game for the I do to hide into nothing oh mate it's just it's just gonna be miserable I don't I it's
1: come at the perfect time for them and the worst possible time for us
0: and and if it was anyone else right when you set that narrative up that's when it's like you know it would be the best possible time for Spurs to play this club at their worst possible time that's the game that Spurs always lose but mm-hmm. we know that Chelsea aren't. Getting, they're just. They're not going to. Werner is in horrible form. Havertz horrible form, although harsh because he has had COVID. Um, but you just see it, not really settled. Perhaps showing why he's never really gotten that big move before. But you, like you said, you know they're all going to be in Ballon d'Or form. You just know it. You, you like you can see it so
1: clear as day. Um, I, I, I mean it, the, the the flip side to that, if we're going to sort of. Look at it objectively, and sort of if we weren't Tottenham fans about it, you could say that this is also sort of the type of situation that Mourinho thrives off. He's got the ultimate party to shit on his old club. Um, everyone's written him off. Um, you know, new manager who's everyone's raving about, he's got brand new ideas and stuff. He can sort of stink the place out and beat him and sort of you know. Feedback into the myth and legend of Mourinho. It's sort of it's one of them occasions. You know, it's big players out. He can readjust and stuff. But um, you know, he's, he's had got, that opportunity. And, yeah, he's and he's got to
0: start Vinicius, right? I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm not just doing this in terms of like, our oh, player gets better when they're not present. Like, I just, just in a pure practical sense, I don't see how we can not just start Vinicius in this we game. We
1: literally bought the guy or loaned him, whatever for this reason because we know Kane is injury prone we know he needs rest we know we need to play strikers in other competitions we haven't unless he's solely been brought into only playing the europa league and the early rounds of the fa cup then there's no excuse not to play him like you've got no choice now like literally fucking give him a go and if he's an absolute shit show then fine but you can't preemptively like write him off. That's it's not it's not on. And to be fair, the guy's shown an ability to hold the ball up, play others into space and, he's, and stuff. He's and scored goals. And you need to, and you know, Sun can feed off that. And you know, if you do play Bale off that, then maybe he can do something. But when you you're playing essentially three players who need a focal point around them, and hoping for something to happen, it's not going to happen. Tangi struggled, and he, what is he injured for tomorrow as well? Fuck knows, but. It's a it's a joke and he, yeah the other thing is get Delhi back in the team now please because yeah, if, we've, yeah. We, if he's staying at the club but he's not just being there for fucking furniture because now's the time where Levy's not allowed him to go this is I think the Delhi situation is quite a big one in terms of um, the the immediate future Mourinho at the club because if now he refuses to play him until the end of the season that could sour. Delhi's relationship with the club to the point where no matter what happens in the summer, he could just want out regardless if he's not already at that point. I think it's probably still salvageable, given that he hasn't been able to taste elsewhere and, and, and have you. But he's, he's going to be pissed off by the fact that he wanted to go to Paris. Pochettino will have been in touch and said he wanted to go to Paris. Marino's half kicked him out the fucking door and bought his Eurostar ticket for him. And is the only person who said, yeah, yeah, hang on a second. Like, I don't really want to get rid of you at this point. And I I guess that's some sort of ego stroke for him, but his mentality will have completely checked out from Tottenham and we need to re-engage him because the the longer he's left to rot, the less likely he is to, A, ever want to play for the club again and, B, recapture the form that we know he can do. So we need to fucking gamble on him. We need to play him. And Mourinho needs to swallow some pride and, and that's the least likely thing to happen ever. But he needs to like we saw it with Tangy. He needs to sort of accelerate that process and do it now with Delhi because the team needs a focal point. The team needs somebody to play around and some energy and and some sort of some sort of creation and genius and stuff. And, and it's, it can't be Tangy alone. Son can't clearly can't do it when he's just put in the middle because that kind of takes away his. his Best abilities of, of timing runs and ghosting in and being forgotten about and yeah it's just time to fucking grow up and and play Vinicius bring Delly back in and, and be decent because I've seen
0: yeah I've seen a few takes lately in terms of like you know Delhi's on a hiding to nothing because he was always at his best when he had Christian Eriksen feeding him which I kind of get to a degree but we've got Tangi now Tang like Tangi can be that creative spark behind Del boy you know. And I I'd, I would love to see those two play alongside each other, you know, see what they can actually sort of conjure up. Because I feel that they could complement one another pretty well, to be honest. Um, but whether they do or they don't, like it, it it's just got to be it's something else. It's a it, it's a different element to this that we we haven't seen thus far, and that's what we're crying out for. We're just crying out for something different. We've seen. Tottenham pretty much trying to do the same thing now since, since pretty much that, you know, the Arsenal game where we where we we looked great and it worked and it just seems to be just a real earworm. To be fair, it worked at Anfield away as well. It, I, mm. I don't think we can gloss over that. Anfield we've played we've, well against Liverpool yeah.
1: twice this season and got nothing from it. It's almost reminiscent of how we used to play against Arsenal before we actually yeah. got over that and yeah
0: it's I, I don't know i just it's really now i mean with hearing that injury injury's apparently been extended for another 3 weeks now and i mean he's i think he's a very very good player but you're almost starting to get that groundhog day feeling with him even as a you know a comparable in eric lamella that yeah. when when are we actually going to see this player because it seems to be he comes in he takes a couple of games to get up to speed, and then he starts to show what he could give the team were he available on a regular basis. And then he's just out again, and it just, you know, it's sooner or later we've got to catch a break. And yeah, okay, I've I've dug into Enik for Enik Levy, whoever is responsible for not perhaps splashing the cash in a fashion similar to clubs that have. Potentially financial means beyond our own, so probably isn't the the fairest comparison. But still, we've seen us sort of drop money on players like the Chelsea, and it, it just we just can't seem to catch a break, really. You know, and that's that's the thing that I think is most kind of disheartening about it is that sometimes you just want to see somebody like Doughty come in and just do well. Why why can't it just work out? <laughs> why? Yeah. But a, a good point was made last year. Apparently, he played, out of all the Premier League players, he played like such a disproportionately large amount of games last yeah. season and then has carried that on into this season as well with Spurs. Um, well, you think of whoever Europa the fuck games. works
1: in our recruitment department would we'll factor Hitchin. that in.
0: Steve Hitchin, who hates his job, mate. Like, the one, <laughs> the one thing he's brought in to fucking do, he's on the Amazon documentary saying, I hate Transfer Deadline Day. Why are you fucking here then, you egg? Like, what are you doing? <laughs>
1: like, what's the point
0: of you? Like, yeah. I'm sure he does other stuff. I'm sure, he's, I'm sure his kids love him. You know, that's, you
1: know. No, but it is a good point because we've done this before. We did it with Paulinho. Like, we've bought, like, players who have played too much football and then watched them suffer. So... Stop fucking doing it. And it's,
0: I, you know, it's just it's there is, frustrating. Um, it is. There has
1: been a report that's come out in the past half hour, by the way, from uh, I think it was Telegraph saying that um, Mourinho and Delia Lee have had a, a personal meeting. Mourinho's gone over to his house or something and they've had a bit of a heart to heart. Ledley, apparently, depending on which report you read, was there or he wasn't there. Um, so there may have been a. Levy's essentially yanked him in the office and go fucking Beck this right or not um sort of a thing and um that should be a roadmap for Deli to get back in the squad hopefully you'd think otherwise it's a waste of fucking time or it just didn't happen. Um,
0: I love the idea of Ledley being there. It just you know the second you said that it just like warmed my heart. You know how you were talking about the scene yeah. the Bale putting the captain's armband on him. It's yeah. just it still just gives you that like fucking go on Ledley fucking just like there's anyone that's gonna like fucking just get Mourinho and be like, "Oi, stop being a cunt," <laughs> you are, know? We,
1: um, are we are we anywhere approaching the point where um, we might want to discuss the Gareth Bale transfer? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: um, you know, and I'll. Shall I'll, we give I'll, him another couple of weeks? I will give him another couple of weeks. What I will say from Brighton, the only thing I will say is that like. I don't. I don't revise history. I don't change anything I've said up until this point.
1: You I, said he was going to come to Tottenham in the
0: Ballon d'Or, Jack. Oh, well, you know, it still can happen. The <laughs> Season's not over, but I still think he's he's got plenty of value to add in big games and all that type of thing. I still don't think he's been. Was that given value a, to add in
1: the club shop? Sorry.
0: Effect, well, that too. <laughs> we know, mate. We haven't got our Lady Gaga and Guns and Roses and Anthony Joshua this summer. You know, it all it
1: all adds up. Yeah, I'm sure that conversation was had,
0: but. uh you know, I I think he hasn't been given perhaps a fair crack of the whip, but I will say, completely fair in terms of like people who are criticising him, he was disappointed against Brighton and disappointing in the respect that it actually looked like he weren't that asked. I get that he's not the most dynamic player. He looked more.
1: fucking relieved when he came off, man.
0: Yeah, uh, he like I get his physicality. I'm not judging him on that. I'm not judging him on the fact he's not. Fucking marauding down the touchline and you know roasting their fucking fullbacks like he, you know, we've seen him doing days gone by. But lad, at least try and like don't look so fucking languid with your passing and stuff. That's not you. You're not. You're not that languid ball player. Just fucking hitting like air balls to nothing speculatively. Like, come on, mate. Like, give it. A, like, at least be a bit asked.
1: But kind of my main my main motivation for him wanting to do well is to prove people wrong because I think he's <laughs> his his legacy and his sort of his um his standing in the game has been slandered to the point where people forget just how good he was and just how good he, he maybe still can be he just needs the right situation to sort of fall for him it, I feel like one thirty yard a top bin, and he might just kind of go. All right, I can I can still do this. I think he's definitely lost some belief in himself, and I think it's almost less him not caring anymore, but kind of almost him not believing anymore. And you can see why after you know having done what he did at Madrid and still been hounded out and sort of chat shit about and everything, that initial happiness of coming to Spurs will have been just you know happiness of, of surviving Madrid and getting out of that situation. But when it's actually come to like, okay, Gareth, we rely on you now, like we need you to do this. And this is an environment in which he, you know, he isn't often relied upon outside of the Welsh team. It's um, it's hard for him. And I think he, he, there's a mental block there and he needs to get over that. And I think the form will come after that or one, one of them is going to dictate the other. As soon as he starts believing in himself, the performances will pick up, and I think it's just gonna—it's not gonna be a a header against fucking Stoke that does it. It's not gonna be, you know, some of like that. It's gonna be one of those free kicks has got to go in. He's got to hit a volley of some sort. He's got to smack one in from thirty yards. He's got to absolutely take the piss out of a fullback or something, and then it might happen. And he shows little flashes of it, and he, you kind of can see him sort of like be almost remembering what he's got, but at the minute he just. He just needs to remind himself who he is. And, so it's, uh, it's a
0: winner in the Carabao Cup final, mate. That's what it is.
1: Yeah, you, you you keep trying to speak this into existence. I feel like it's going to be like a consolation in the
0: Carabao Cup final. Yeah, I'm. I, I, I hate falling into this trap. I really, really want to believe, it. and I don't. The thing is, I don't want to take the excitement, and I don't want to take the, the joy of Tottenham being in the Cup final away from anyone. But it's it's very. Very hard to see a world right now, and there's okay. There's. It's not even of,
1: like we can fucking go, mate.
0: No, there's a couple of months to go, so let's keep that in mind as well. But I'm just talking about at this point in time. It's very hard to picture even on their day, Tottenham beating Manchester City in the cup final. Like,
1: it, no, we'd absolutely have to. Like, if it was, if that game was played next week. We'd have to go and absolutely shit the bed and like stink the place out to high heaven. Like, play like we're fucking Pulis Stoke style shit. Kick the fuck out of them. Offer them no chance. Try and nick it in extra time or penalties and, you know, be that type of awful team. And that would be our only route to success at present. But, um, you know, Harry will be back in a couple of months, such would. Um, Maybe the form will be better. Um, we'll see. Or we, uh, we've sacked Marie and your lad lives in temporary charge and uh, we've got no idea what the fuck's going on.
0: Would you have Sean Dyche? No. <laughs> would you have Sam Allardyce? No. Who would you rather have out there two? Oh, me, it's Oh, Sean Dyche, see it clearly, surely.
1: I don't know. I have a real hate for Sean Dash. I don't know what it is. He seems like a genuinely decent bloke, and I actually imagine he'd be quite a laugh in private. But when it comes to speak about football, I genuinely hate him. Oh, I love it. I quite like him, you know, Sean nice. No, I, 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 just dislike him for some reason. Do. You? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're, they're probably two of the worst choices you could have given me. Well, you
0: know, that's, that's what I'm here for. That's, that's the,
1: that's the game, yeah. That's, that's the game. That's. The I game. abstain.
0: Um. Well, I think that's probably a good place to call it. Um. I hope you haven't been too uh too downcast. And this is I'm talking to you actually, here, Raj. I hope you haven't oh, been right. too downcast by this one. Like it's been. Uh, no,
1: I, I don't. Uh, here's the thing, like I don't think it'd be really weird if we came on here and we were really happy with everything. Like that's that's absurd. And like I said, like it's not as if this is a Tottenham. We're in the middle of a long-term project where we're kind of going okay, like. There's two, three more years of this, and then it might like we've we've made a bet of right now. This is we're a win now, sort of a bet. We've put our chips on the table and gone all right, here we go, and we're not doing anything. We're we're, we're shit. So <laughs> to you, sometimes you just gotta hold your hands up and go look, we're, we're shit, and we, we're we're being shit, and uh, we don't see an end to this shitness. We'd like to be proved wrong, obviously. There's no point at which I'd ever. For, like, my own prediction or my own ego stroke, wish you know Tottenham bad just so that we could say that we're right. I think the only time we ever came to that point was at Sherwood, where I genuinely, I'm not at Sherwood levels yet, I'm still like 10 years away from Sherwood levels. Like, that's the most unhappy I've ever been as a Tottenham fan because he was a. A day to day abomination and embarrassment, and continues to be on whatever fucking TV channel employs him.
0: What was this thing the other way? Oh, yeah, you've got a player like Ndombele in there, right? He's a better in
1: REM. You're expecting him to be,
0: you you're like, mate, shut up.
1: Like, yeah, he's a, he's, the man's a fucking cunt. Um, but um, yeah, I'm not at that point, Mourinho. I genuinely, I actually kind of like him. Like, as a bloke, I still find him all right, I don't think he's the massive prick everyone thinks he is. I think he occasionally can be. I think he's self-aware enough to probably admit to that himself. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm disappointed and hurt because my football team is shit. And in the world at present, the only thing that you really get to do is any form of, of escapism other than going to fucking IKEA click and collect is watching Spurs. And... When we watch Spurs at the minute, all it does is make me more fucking miserable and wish we were locked down again. So I did, like, well, not locked down again, but fucking football was stopped. So, you know, it's just, ah, uh, it is given, what it is. Like,
0: Given that we always used to talk about TV all the time, I'm just hoping, I'm really hoping that this Mourinho arc ahead of Chelsea is just like, somewhat like, remember, like in Game of Thrones when Cersei had been like in the fucking high sparrows tower thing when there was that whole the light of the seven moment and it yeah she
1: about to go blow up the citadel
0: yeah exactly that when it's just when you think all hope is lost and you think like that's it Cersei's finally got her comeuppance all the chickens have come home to roost everyone's sort of against her everyone's found her out there's nowhere to go and then suddenly you're like oh fuck she still had that up her sleeve that's it this is it this is fucking wildfire all over Uh. the shop just fucking burn it all down. Let's fucking kill them. Let's fucking have him I fucking hate Chelsea. <laughs> Let's just fu- fucking hate these cunts so much. Let's just fucking have him. Please. Yeah, I think,
1: I think my current mentality with the club at present before we jump into bed with another project is take as many cups as we possibly fucking can and run.
0: Exactly. Burn it all fucking down. Tottenham Hotspur. No one likes us. We don't care.